Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and myself break down a potential top seed clinching game against the Falcons this Sunday. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, how significant of a loss is it not to have Clyde Edwards Alaire for an extended period of time? Obviously, you would like to have Edwards Elaire available and able to play, but such is the burden of the NFL game. I mean, we've seen it in the past. Running back is a tough, tough position to stay healthy for a full 16 game season and playoff run. That's why it's so valuable to have a couple of guys who can kind of fit in and, and carry the load as necessary. And Luckily for the Chiefs, this offense doesn't run through the ground game. Though, I mean, we just saw this last week against the New Orleans Saints how it can kind of help open things up for the offense. Because when when the Saints were really bearing down there and, and rushing the passer well, they were able to kind of pick up some yards on the ground uh, in the run game and and get them to kind of back off, play some different coverage, give them some different looks that were more favorable to the passing game. There's going to be a point in the playoffs where the Chiefs are going to need a strong running game to win or close out a game. So so that's something to consider. And, and I mean, thankfully, they went out and they got Le'Veon Bell when he became a free agent back kind of in the middle of the season there. And he's starting to hit his stride. I mean, he had his best game as a member of the Chiefs this past week. Uh, obviously, you know, up over 60 yards, had a touchdown, um, did did a nice thing in the passing game with a good catch there. So he, he's looking the best he has all season. And I think if the Chiefs are to repeat as champions, we could be looking back at that signing in the same way that Today we look back at the Mike Pinnell signing or Stephen Wisniewski or uh, Terrell Suggs back in 2019. I think it could be potentially that huge now that Edwards Elaire is looking to be out for, for at least a couple of weeks here. And uh, if the Chiefs can clinch a, a first-round bye in Week 16, which I, I suspect they will, I think we could be seeing maybe a heavier dose of Darwin Thompson in Week 17 when, when they face off with the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, after being a healthy scratch or, or special teams only guy for, for most of the season, I think he's due for a little bit of a breakout game as he kind of works his way back into the good graces of the coaching staff. And that would be important for the Chiefs not just this season and, and into the playoffs – because that gives you a little buffer if Edwards Elaire maybe isn't ready to return. That's still a possibility, you know, depending on how long this, this playoff run lasts and how long it takes him to recover from injury. So if if Thompson can kind of get into a little groove in, in week 17 and get some confidence, that would be super, super helpful for the Chiefs. Obviously, they still have Darrell Williams as well. He's kind of been worked in there as that number three guy. He's kind of been the passing down back for Kansas City in certain situations. Uh, and he has the ability to kind of even be a short yardage type of runner for them too. So they have some guys. They added uh, Elijah McGuire to the practice squad. They always have Anthony Sherman available to, to carry carry the load if necessary. So so they got some guys. They'll be all right without Edwards Elaire. It would be better to have him, but they will survive. 
Should the Chiefs be concerned after Eric Fisher's struggles against the Saints' pass rush? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Man, it's just it's a tough crowd in Kansas City when it comes to to Eric Fisher. I mean, sure he had a rough early goings in his career, but he's evolved and become a franchise left tackle and one of the more consistent left tackles in this league. I mean, we all remember what it looked like last year when Cam Irving had to start at left tackle for like eight games, right? Am I the only one who remembers that? It was, you're holding your breath literally every time they rushed the passer. And uh, earlier this season, Fish, he was playing at an all-pro level. I mean, the guy was was having his praises sung by Chiefs Kingdom when he was catching touchdown passes, right? But he, he has a bad week after missing two days of practice and battling through a back injury. I mean, it just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me, the criticism that he's getting right now. I think he deserves a little bit more credit for what he's been able to do this past week, considering we've got Schwartz on injured reserve with a back injury. Mike Remmers out this past week with a back injury. This is the only guy battling through and playing through because they need him out there, man. They, they do not have anyone else uh, who can go and line up out there. Their, their concerns at tackle were such that they thought it was better to play um, <laughs> uh, Andrew Wiley at right tackle this past week than play an undrafted free agent rookie or play Martinez Rankin, who's been listed as the backup left and right tackle uh, and is still kind of working his way back from a knee injury. So I have the ultimate respect for for Fisher for battling through that injury, even if he gets beat a few times. And and I don't think that within the, the Chiefs that there are any concerns about his ability um, to kind of hold up there as the season goes on. Obviously, you want him to get a little healthy. I, I think, you know, if they can get through this week without um, him, you know, suffering any tweaks or anything like that, that that extra week, if if they can get that bye week, will be so crucial to him looking more like himself um, when when the Chiefs uh, take take on and the uh, take on some teams in the playoffs here. What are your thoughts on Legereus Sneed's performance in Sunday's win? Yeah, he was nothing short of remarkable on Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs have given him such responsibility so early on in his career, and he's just been able to attack it. I mean, he played outside corner early on and, and had a ton of success doing so. Um, now he's back from injury, and he's playing nickel, entirely different position, uh, you know, seems similar, but there's so many different things they have to do. He has to keep track of run fits. He has to know, you know, the different types of switches that he'll have with, with the safeties and whatnot. And, and he's thriving right now. He is thriving in that role. Um, and, and he had two really flashy plays on Sunday against the Saints uh, with the interception and the sack. But he did give up a touchdown in the first of his career. And it really wasn't entirely his fault, but but you got to throw it in there. You got to lump it in there. But you look at his coverage numbers this year, this season, and I mean, he's just been dominant. You're, you're talking 21 receptions allowed on 38 targets for 180 yards. Uh, then you have 96 yards after the catch, one touchdown, three interceptions, and an opponent passer rating of 43.8. I'll tell you, that's good for the lowest in the NFL 
among cornerbacks with uh, at least 200 coverage snaps. I think it actually extends to 250. I have to double check that. But you can't say enough good things about this kid. He has a very, very bright future in Kansas City, probably as a future number one cornerback on this team. And I, I mean, it's just it, it's incredible watching him work and succeed. We're, we're talking about a guy who's drafted in, in the fourth round, right? There, there are guys who are drafted in the first round that aren't playing this good. So, I, I just kudos to Brett Veach. They have found themselves a gem, and uh, it's going to be so so important for the Chiefs in the future as they kind of try to limit the amount of money that. They're spending uh, in terms of of contract spending with uh, Patrick Mahomes' deal, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. You know, they've got a lot of uh, contracts, big, big contracts on the offense there. And uh, they're they're going to have to uh, kind of keep hitting on some of these gems like Legereus Sneed to be able to to field a competitive team. And, And they definitely did it this time and gives me a lot of faith that they can keep doing it in the future. How should the Chiefs match up defensively with the Falcons' talented receiving core? Well, we don't know yet if uh, if Julio Jones uh, is going to play. But I like the way that they match up, even if he does play. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, they bring some speed. But I feel like they'll be able to. the Chiefs will be able to match that uh, with Deshaun Breeland and Legereus Sneed and even Charverius Ward in the secondary. Then when they have uh, Hayden Hurst out there, their tight end, he can do some some damage. So he'll face off with uh, Daniel Sorensen, Tyron Matthew, and Thornhill at times. But really, I'm just confident that this secondary can match up with any receiving group in the league and, and shut them down. I mean, they're fast, they're physical, and, and they have a ton of depth. Depth. I, I didn't even mention Rashad Fenton. Uh, DeAndre Baker, who had been elevated to the 53-man roster last week. We can assume he will be again this week. Um, they've just got a ton of depth uh, in, in, at the cornerback group and even at the safety group there. So I, I feel like uh, Antonio Hamilton, that's another guy that I, I didn't even mention. He can kind of fit in in either the, the safety or the cornerback group. But uh, I, I really feel like they just uh, they match up and they, they do a good job. Um, you know, shutting these guys down week to week basis, obviously different types of receivers this week, different talents, but, uh, I, I'm confident that, you know, if they can get a little pressure on Matt Ryan and, uh, these receivers, uh, won't really stand much of a chance against, uh, the secondary there. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you'd like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, definitely. We have got a pair of stories this week uh, that I did. One about the Twitter profile picture game that's been going on for a few weeks now uh, between Chiefs players. And uh, another about the name of Travis Kelsey's touchdown scoring play in Week 16. Now, these both are kind of common or similar in the sense that they sort of emphasize how the fun that this team is able to have with each other kind of influences their chemistry on the field. And that's part of why this team as a whole has such a unique personality to it. And uh, it's part of why they're having such success on the field as well. So I think that was kind of a really cool look uh, in both those stories. Um, And then we we have a bunch of great stuff that came out on Tuesday, a day that I took off 
um, to celebrate my first wedding anniversary. Ed had a pair of stories on, uh, he had one on Le'Veon Bell and, and Patrick Mahomes' recent comments on him. He had one on the offensive line as well and, and how Andy Reid kind of evaluated their performance after uh, <laughs> after uh, this past game in Week 15 here. And then uh, John Dillon, our old podcast host from back in the day, some of you may recall, he had a really nice write-up on uh, the bonus that, that Eric Fisher received for his Pro Bowl selection. So uh, be sure to check all of those stories out and more over on chiefswire.usatoday.com. Don't expect too much from us other than like the basics over the holidays. We'll, we'll still definitely have some content for you to consume, but uh, it's going to be on the lighter side um, as everyone gets to spend a little bit of time with their loved ones, their family, um, obviously, safely over the holidays. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and reading the website. We hope you all have a blessed holiday season and new year. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Wire podcast. We are back. It is that time again. It is time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I have Mitch Carney. I got Talon Graf. Guys, one more win, and the Chiefs are officially the number one seed in the AFC with the bye. I think we should start off right there. You know, let's let's let that all sink in for a minute because there was some confusion during the game against the Steel with the Steelers and Bengals, whether or not a Steelers loss was going to clinch it. But, uh, Mitch, you had brought this up plenty of times last week that it had to be a loss and a and another win by the Chiefs in order to clinch. So now this game against the Falcons means so much. And I, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Mitch, your initial thoughts watching the Steelers lose on Monday Night Football, which is pretty pretty surprising against a, uh, a beaten-up Bengals team. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of shocked with the game in general because, I mean, I've never been as high on the Steelers, even though even when they were undefeated, I didn't think they were as good as what the record showed. But just, like, losing to the Bengals and Ryan Finley was just, like, super surprising. I thought they would just been, you know, good enough to get that, you know, get that one and kind of keep it competitive with the Chiefs for the number one seed. But um, now the Chiefs just have a really good opportunity to get that number one seed. And getting a, a win against the Falcons is going to be huge just because – you don't have to play your starters against against the Chargers, and then you also get that first week playoff buy. So you give your uh, give your team basically two weeks to get healthy. And I also think that'll be huge, considering Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is likely to miss some time. So that will get him time to get healthy and get him on the field. So a big win against the uh, Atlanta Falcons is going to be huge for this team moving forward, and you know put the Chiefs in a good spot to have a really good Super Bowl run. Yeah, it's it's kind of all come together quite perfectly with the Steelers reeling and uh, the Chiefs winning that really tight game against New Orleans. Now it's like, all right, win one more game and 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 everything's kind of going going the Chiefs' way, right? The first round bye, can like Mitch said, you can sit starters week seventeen. Um, and yeah, man, with with Ceh and then Eric Fisher playing with a hurt back, we saw his struggles. Um, you know, and Mitchell Schwartz. I know it's really high up in the air if he's even going to go in the playoffs, but yeah, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys banged up. So yeah, you take care of business in, uh, against Atlanta, and 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 everything is copacetic. 
Definitely, indeed. That's where we're hoping for a, a big win against Atlanta, like there was a big win against New Orleans. Now, this was a Saints team that came in a little beat up simply because Drew Brees was first came back. You know, he had the broken rib situation. You know how he was going to play. Struggled big time. I, I believe in the first the first period, he didn't even complete a pass. And or his only completion, I should say, was an interception by Legereus Sneed. So he struggled throughout the game until I say maybe late in the second half, he started to really see a little more from Breeze. But the biggest story from that game, like you said, was CEH with the high ankle sprain, most likely done for the rest of the regular season. The playoffs, you don't know when he'll be ready to come back again. I just want to get your thoughts, Tal. You touched on it a little bit, but CEH being out for an extended period of time, are you comfortable with Le'Veon Bell as a starting running back moving forward? For one week, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, you know, if we, you know, if they beat Atlanta and then they can sit 17 and um, rest that bye week, hopefully CEH can go for that, you know, divisional round of the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, right now I'm, I'm 100% comfortable with Bell and Williams, you know, kind of carrying that load against Atlanta because I think we can rely very heavily on um, on Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill against Atlanta and, and have them be the driving force as they typically are, you know, Atlanta doesn't sport that good of a defense. Um, so I think if they, you know, really focus in and play their best ball, I think Le'Veon Bell and, and, uh, and Daryl Williams. And if, if they do add another guy, whether it be McGuire or, or whoever, um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm comfortable with uh, who the Chiefs have. It's not just Le'Veon Bell, kind of like what Talon just said. You have uh, Daryl Williams, and we also still have uh, Darwin Thompson, who's probably going to be brought back. I know he's been a kind of a healthy scratch a couple times this season, and I know he's kind of fighting an injury these last few weeks. But, you know, if he's able to come back and he's healthy and he's ready to go, he's also going to be a help. So we definitely have a little bit more of a running back by committee without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But, I mean, we've seen the Chiefs have success with, you know, with the running back by committee, which was just last year with Damian Williams and Darrell Williams. I know Damian kind of really came on near the end of the season and was really our number one guy, but we've seen the Chiefs have success with just, you know, a lot of different running backs coming in. So, um, and I, you know, Le'Veon Bell's not that many seasons off from being a pro bowler and being one of the best running backs in the league. So I think, you know, we should have confidence that he's going to be able to get the job done, um, even if he's not you know, playing all the snaps, we have players that can come in and do a good enough job. And the Chiefs offense is good enough that, you know, even without CEH, they should be good enough to keep up with anybody in the league. I do agree. They will be able to keep up with anybody. But I feel like, you know, with Le'Veon Bell, we we do forget, yes, he was an all-pro a couple of years back. But he's been playing pretty well uh, the last two weeks or so. And, you know, even scoring a touchdown this past week, there is still some value there in terms of what he could bring to the game. And, and, you know, Williams is still there as well. So this is, this is a big deal, obviously CEH being out, but it's not the worst thing in the world, you know? So this is a, uh, this is something that to worry about as we talked about last week with the possibility of injuries and playing players unnecessarily. So week 16 is going to be a big deal. Now just recapping once again, the win against the saints Drew Brees didn't look great in that game. Uh, the defense played well, but uh, the guy that stuck out to me, Legereus Sneed, stepped up big time, interception, also came up with a sack in that game. Mitch, what were your thoughts on just how well he's played in big moments? I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you know, when we look at Sneed, you know, whenever we draft him, I think people were just kind of expecting him to be kind of a special teams player, you know, maybe cracking, you know, some type of special 
special lineup, you know, just because the Chiefs are pretty thin in corner, but he's really turning into our number one guy. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily got that jump on Charverius Ward or Brashad Breland yet, but like the way he's trending, he looks like he could be, you know, a shutdown corner for a long time. Um, I'm not ready to just give him that yet because we've seen corners come in to Kansas City and have, you know, you know, a good half season or so, then really fall off the cliff. But from what we've seen so far, he looks like he's just got a, a, a knack to a knack to get his hands on the ball, get turnovers, um, you know, get those passes deflected. He's just got a really good skill there. So I think what we've seen so far is very encouraging. And, you know, I think, you know, we can continue to continue to expect this in the future. But uh, I'm very impressed so far. And I really think he has a chance to be one of those, you know, hidden gems in the draft from last year where people are just like, oh my gosh, how do we miss this guy? Because he's just killing it right now with Kansas City. And uh, I'm just really excited for his future. Yeah, man, uh, it's clear that the game is not too big for him. It's not too fast for him. Uh, even with the injuries, he, he doesn't seem to really skip a beat. Uh, just everywhere on the field, he seems to know what to do. He doesn't shy away from contact. He doesn't shy away from, you know, big-name players. He, he steps up, you know, and and uh, doesn't really matter what number is on the jersey across from him. He thinks 38 is better, and that's the kind of attitude you need to have, uh, especially at defensive back. And you're facing some of the top talent at wide receiver. Granted, there was no Michael Thomas, but, um, you know, I won't get too far into that. But, yeah. Well, Jerry Sneed, man, having a, an unbelievable rookie season. I'm, yeah, super stoked to see what he can do uh, with the future. And hopefully DeAndre Baker can grow into something. That's that's a one-two tandem that really kind of starts to take over the West. Wow, you've already got uh, him and DeAndre Baker as the uh, new one and two in, uh, in, at, at corner. Um, that, that It sounds good. Right now it sounds good. With Sneed, I like what he brings to the game. Uh, the guy is obviously very aggressive and – you know, even sending him on a on a uh, a rush at the quarterback to get a sack just shows the confidence that Spagnolo has in him already as a young player. So it'll be interesting to see how he evolves and where it goes from here. But it was a all around a, a great effort, great effort all around. Uh, the other big story: Eric Fisher being um, named active right before the game, and it's got a lot of people questioning maybe if that was the right decision or not because of the way he played. Uh, there was even a moment where Mahomes was kind of getting at him a little bit. I'm curious, Talon, what are your thoughts on Eric Fisher? Was it the smart move to to make him active right before the game? Yeah, because with Remmers out, there's nobody else to put there. You don't trust anybody else to to protect Patrick Mahomes against that type of a four-man front with uh, uh, Hendrickson and, and Jordan coming off the edges like that. You you know, like a 60, 75% Eric Fisher is better than whoever that number two guys would have been. Uh, you know, there's so many injuries that you, it was kind of a, I don't want to say no brainer, but almost kind of a no win situation. Like, well, Eric, we know you're hurt, but man, we need you. This is one of those, we need you moments. Like, can you do it? Can you do it for 60 minutes? Can you, can you do this for us? Um, you know, I'm sure that conversation was had uh, between the coaching staff and coach hack and, and Eric and, and Eric's one of those guys where he's going to step up and do it. He doesn't care how much pain he's in. Um, so yeah, did he look bad? Did he play a great game? No. And yes, he did look bad, but he was playing hurt and, and, and the guts to go out there and, and do the best he can to protect his quarterback because he was the best man for the job, you know, hats off to him. Yeah. Talent's completely correct there. Um, you know, I think if you look at an injury standpoint, it's probably better. It probably would have been better if Eric Fisher sat out that game just because, Hey, we need him to be healthy for the playoffs. We need him to be hundred percent ready to go. 
But if you look at to where, you know, what just happened with the Steelers losing, like if the Chiefs didn't haven't won, didn't win this game against the Saints, um, it'd be a completely different situation. We'd be really regretting not winning this last game because now we have to beat the Falcons and the and the uh, Chargers. Um, but I don't think a player would have done better than Eric Fisher because, I mean, the Chiefs are really shuffling things around. I mean, Andrew Wiley was playing right tackle. I mean, I don't know who would have been playing last, left. It would probably been like Durant or some other player. But, um, you know, I don't think they would have done better than an injured Eric Fisher. So it was definitely the right move. Um, even though he didn't play his best game, like I don't think there's a player who would have done better. And so I think that in itself was a – was he was able to do good enough to just really, the Chiefs were able to get their win. I agree. And it's, it's always a tough call. And, you know, Tal, you were up a good point. There wasn't anybody else to really go to. So Fisher was kind of in a situation where, you know, they always say, are you injured or are you hurt? So he was hurt, but you can still play if you're hurt. And uh, the guy sucked it up and went out there. The only issue was that he was a liability. So it's tough in these type of situations, but it's also – it shows how beat up the Chiefs' offensive line has been all year. And it could be a concern heading into the postseason. So, you know, him and Schwartz, they have to be healthy moving forward. All right, so this, this next one that I'm bringing up, I'm putting this in the category of what was he thinking. And the player that I'm, I'm going to talk about is uh, Mitch, one of your favorites, Demarcus Robinson. The, uh, the safety at the end of the uh, first half – what was he thinking in regards to that return? It just seemed like he was kind of caught in between. Should he do a fair catch? Should he catch it? Should he run? And, you know, it was just – it was such an awkward uh, situation. And, mind you, I, we all understand he had to come in because um, McCole Hartman was kind of knocked out of the game for a while. Mitch, what were your thoughts when you saw that safety go down? Yeah, I mean, I'll give him a little bit of credit. Um, you know, I think that was his first time returning upon all season. So, I mean, I think he was kind of confused, didn't know what he was doing. Um, but, like, in that situation, I feel like he should definitely take in that fair catch just because our offense is so good. I think there would only been, like, 20 or 30 seconds left on the clock. But, I mean, if there's any time left on that clock, you got to trust Patrick Mahomes and she's offense to at least get a field goal range. Um, so he definitely kind of made the wrong decision there. He just didn't know what he was doing. But, I mean, like, it was just a great play by the Saints also, just knocking the ball right out of his hand, right into the end zone. So, I mean, it's just kind of a bad situation for a player that I think is under underrated and, you know, undervalued on this Chiefs team. So I feel bad for Robinson because it didn't look good. But, I mean, I feel like he's got to be smarter out there. And But I think it would definitely help if, you know, he was maybe coached up in that situation a little bit more also. Yeah, 100%, Mitch. Your last point there, he could have been coached up better. That 100%, you're right. Um, you know, for, for, for Demarcus Robinson, it's a lack of situational awareness. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to know what's going on at, at, at that moment in the game. You have to know, you know, what is the best for your team. Is it? And clearly what he did was not the best. But, yes, Mitch is 100% right. Uh, you know, Tope should have gotten with him. Somebody should have gotten with him and, you know, just talked him up a little bit walk him through the situation, the scenario, what, you know, there's, there's one of two things that you need to do, make a fair catch or let the ball go to the end zone. If, if, if those two things don't happen, you're doing something wrong. Someone on the sideline should have come up to him, talk to him, let him know that. Um, but yeah, it, it's on the coaches for putting a player in a bad situation and, and, and that's on them. And then DeMarcus Robinson for not, you know, having just that high football IQ to know what to do. Yeah, that, that's where I, I think it really comes down to. I'm not going to go and look at Dave Taub and say, okay, he has to teach him, you know, the difference between running it out or not. If he's 
and I, maybe I could be wrong here, guys. And, and Tal, you know, from coaching, there's always a depth chart in regards to, like, the next man up, no matter what situation. So Demarcus Robinson, you would think in practice, he's a guy that knows that he's the backup, you know, punt returner, if it's not Tyreek Hill, if it's not McCole Hardman. It just – it seemed like such an awkward thing for, you know, for any type of player. And even if you're not a regular punt returner, you got to know the situation. There's not much time. It's under a minute left. You're deep in your own territory. Just fair catch. Just, you're just trying to get out of there. You don't want to make a turnover. That's the last thing you want to do. I was a little thrown off by it. But Demarcus Robinson is a very good player. And, you know, you need players to step up in different roles. And that was a role that they really needed from him that even a guy like Byron Pringle in the past has jumped in to be able to be able to do. So it was a, it was a misstep. It was definitely a, an error on his part. But uh, looking ahead, playing against Atlanta, when you see a team – like this, that yes, their defense has a lot of issues, but they still got that firepower on offense, and it, it is always something to be feared there, especially with uh, how good a guy like Calvin Ridley's been this season. Talon, what is your biggest fear? And you brought this team up as a, a possible upset type of team. What is your biggest fear from this team? It's their outside receivers. Uh, I just worry about our cornerbacks matching up with them. Um, you know, if, if Julio Jones is healthy, he didn't play last week, but if he's healthy against the Chiefs and they have Calvin Ridley – um, and Austin, or no, Austin Hooper's in Cleveland now. I'm sorry. Uh, Hayden Hurst is their tight end now. Um, and then, you know, they still have Todd Gurley, and I know he's kind of been demoted, but Brian Hill's a decent running back. Um, they just have a lot of pieces, right? They have a lot of pieces that could attack our defense and, and, and expose the weaknesses of that defense. Um, and, uh, and that just scares me a little bit. So I just hope, you know, given whoever is playing wide receiver for Atlanta, I, I, I just hope the game plan is right for the Chiefs. Yeah, I can't really say too much different. Just that, you know, Atlanta's offense is actually really good. Uh, I mean, they have a, a hard time hanging on the lead, so I think that's more on their defense. You know, their offense can definitely play a little bit better in those situations. But, I mean, last week they put up, uh, I think it was like almost 40 points against Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not quite sure what the score was, but I mean, they had a really good game plan. They just weren't able to get the job done. So their offense is definitely good enough to do some damage against the Chiefs defense, who um, still is kind of having troubles getting to the pass rush, uh, getting to the passer through the pass rush. Um, they've played a little better recently, but it's still to not, you know, to my expectation for what we're paying right now. But, uh, you know, they definitely have an offense that can really take advantage of this Chiefs defense. So I can see this game being a little bit of a shootout. And that's the thing that I, I'm thinking about. A shootout at home. And the last time there was a game that was a shootout at home was against the Raiders, and you saw what happened. So there would probably be a little more concern in regards to how they're going to go about it. You know, I'm thinking about like Steve Spagnuolo in terms of how he wants to set up his team. I think that the key has always been rushing the quarterback. You got to put pressure on, um, on Ryan when he's in the pocket. When you look at the way, um, just the way they've been playing the last couple of games, I feel a little more confident about the chiefs defensive line. You know, we could talk about the, uh, the two pro bowlers from there, but I feel confident that the defensive line can get to the, can get to Ryan and can make things a little more dangerous. Cause I, I'm not comfortable with having man to man on these wide receivers, the same way talent, like you were just saying. So uh, Mitch, just, uh, just your opinion. Who do you feel like on a defensive line has to make big plays in order for, in order, just in order to slow down this deep, this offense. 
I mean, I feel like that's kind of an obvious answer. It's got to be Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like, they're getting paid, you know, as two of the highest paid defensive players in the NFL. They should be able to get to the quarterback and make a difference. Um, you know, they've been really up and down this season. So we're going to really have to rely on some of our secondary players, kind of like Okafor, Passigno, um, uh, Wharton, and Dana to really make a difference, who, you know, who have, who have looked good so far this season. But we really need Jones and Clark to really come around now that we're getting closer to the playoffs because – I mean, this is just kind of a, something I've noticed. I feel like some of our best pressures come from our cornerbacks, and I know uh, most on- offenses don't really, like, expect that, but I feel like whenever, you know, we get most of our sacks where, you know, our best pressures from our defensive backs, that's an issue. So I'd like to see a little bit more from two of our highest-paid players on the team. But, um, you know, I, I do have confidence that they'll, they'll get it together uh, now that we're nearing the playoffs, but um, that's just something I'm a little concerned about. But um, they're definitely the two players that I would definitely keep an eye out for. Yeah, the defensive line, you know, it's Jones and Clark. It, they are the guys that need to step up. They, they are the guys that need to lead the way. Um, and, yeah, and, and Atlanta runs – they love to run those those uh, timing routes, right, to, to Jones and Ridley and, and their other guys. They either run those timing routes that take a while to develop or they run little, you know, quick screens to gauge or, or try to get guys in space. Um so yeah, so Spags needs to expose that and really utilize that to his, you know, favor. When they're running those uh, timing routes that take a while to develop, yeah, that's when you that's when you send an extra blitzer. That's when you, um, you know, maybe send a little twist or a stunt or something like that. You, you don't send your standard, you know, four man pass rush or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's all about how well that defense plays, and yeah, it does start with the defensive line. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you have to go with the two big guns right there, Frank Clark, Chris Jones. And I said that really is a is an obvious answer because it's a segue. Uh, those two guys are a member of the seven pro bowlers from the Chiefs. That uh, list includes Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Eric Fisher, Taran Matthew, and Patrick Mahomes, of course. So of those seven names, I think we'd, we could agree that they all deserve to be there. Is there a player on the Chiefs you feel like possibly got snubbed and uh talent will start with you on this snubbed no no one really jumps out as someone that you know i think should have been there i mean schwartz but he's missed so much time you can't really make that argument um other than that no i think the the guys that should have been there are there and there are a couple surprises but yeah i think i don't think there are any big snubs yeah i'm pretty happy with it um the only player i could have thought of was uh, Harrison Bucker, but, you know, when I looked back at it, I was like, well, the dude's actually missed, you know, a bunch of PATs, but, I mean, like, if it weren't for the PATs, he's been, you know, pretty pretty solid on, you know, his field goals and all that other junk, so he definitely should have been in consideration, but when you look at the PATs, it just ruins everything. I mean, Schwartz still is definitely deserving of one, but he's been deserving of one for the past, like, five years. The fact that he hasn't gotten one is still insane, um, but I don't really think there's a player on the Chiefs team that's been snubbed, in my opinion. I agree. And just to also point out something, this is actually a, uh, a feather in the cap for uh, Brett Veach. Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, back-to-back Pro Bowl selections. And this is from just from that first contract, just from signing both of those guys, how they changed the culture uh, with Kansas City on defense in such a short amount of time it is amazing. So that's just – that's a great job by the GM once again. Okay, now – Looking ahead now, let's let's just play this game because you're going against a, a Falcons team that basically has nothing to play for. 
there are a lot of guys that this, this whole franchise, for the most part, is in such a weird transition. There's going to be possibly a new head coach. Um, Matt Ryan may be on his way out. Julio Jones could be on his way out. So they really are just out there playing this game. Talent, I'm going back to it again. If this game gets out of hand, and let's say the Chiefs are up, I don't know, like 21 points in the third, late in the third, are you pulling anybody? Are you pulling anybody early in this in this type of game? Uh, for me, it's a 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter, and it's got to be a 21-point lead. Um, if that's the case, then, yeah, start pulling guys. And um, and if they get – you know, if they start manning a little comeback, you know, you may plug a few guys back in. But, yeah, 10 minutes, fourth quarter, 21-point lead, That that's when I'm comfortable to pull some guys. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Talon. We're going to have to have a pretty large lead. I mean, we're going to have two weeks to rest our starters if we get this win. So there's no point of, you know, trying to do it too early and, you know, and risk, a, you know, getting a comeback. And then you're like, well, you have to play week 17 now. So I think it's important to, you know, make sure we get this one, even if we have to play them for a full game, just like, hey, just to make sure, you know, we're going to get this win. That way we have really two weeks to get prepared for our divisional round game. Um, but, you know, I guess 21 points, 10 minutes, not just like talent said, will work for me. But I don't know. I didn't even maybe consider keeping them in for a little bit longer, just considering how good this Falcons offense is. They could probably get some points real fast. So, um, you know, uh, it'd have to be a pretty large lead for me to say anybody. But, I mean, if we have a large enough one, I'd consider it. Yeah, Mitch, I only say that because, and I was giving the whole example, this is a team that has nothing to lose. They have nothing to gain. A lot of these players are not going to be back. So a lot of these defensive players, they want to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get out on the market. It could get, like I said, it could get extra physical more than usual because these, these players are playing for their next job. So I, I look at a game like this where I can see it being dangerous and I do want to pull players. I'm being super cautious. Just after seeing what happened to CEH, I'm being super cautious. I think you pull them the uh, beginning of the fourth if they're up by at least three touchdowns. I just think that's the way you go about it. Uh, it's one of those weird games where it's like you don't want to be too cautious because they have a great offense, but at the same time, this is a team that's just a bunch of players playing for their next team. You know, the, it's it's a weird situation in Atlanta right now. But uh, we're at that point. Final scores and um, who's going to win? Mitch, let's start with you. Yeah, if you look at Atlanta's team, they've actually been playing really hard all season. Like, I'm looking at their scores right now, and there's not really a game where they lost by a lot. The The only game I really see right here is whenever they lost to the Saints 24-9, to um, and that's in the last one, one, two, three, four. That's, like, four games. They've played four games where they're just playing really good football. They've either won that game or they've only lost by a possession. Um, so they've been playing really hard football. So I think it's going to be actually kind of a tough game for the Chiefs because just like what you said, Ed, they're going to be fighting for a job. They're looking to get paid this offseason. They're looking to keep their jobs. So I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game between two really good offenses. Offenses. Um, so I got the Chiefs still winning 37-33. Uh, to 33. Yeah, this could be a battle. It could be, a, you know, I mentioned before, it kind of scares me. Um, but in all honesty, the Chiefs are the better team. The Chiefs are playing for more. They have better coaches. They have better players. Um, definitely a, a game for the Chiefs. You know, it's their game to lose. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs' victory, 34 to 21. You know, I think we're all on the same page when it comes to this. 
I know the Chiefs want to get it done. Everybody wants them to get it done this uh, this weekend. I got them 35 to 20 in this one. Atlanta's a good team in terms of on offense, but on defense, there's just so many holes there. And um, I can see a guy like Mahomes just just lighting them up early in the game just to get that distance. So I'm going 35-20 Chiefs in this one. All right. Do you think anybody brings up the fact that Bob Sutton is on staff with Atlanta? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is 100% going to be brought up, and it should be brought up. It, it, you know, it's think about this. It, it, imagine being Bob Sutton right now. You're watching this defense, which I believe was dead last during that, that year. Um, they went to the AFC title game and lost in New England to now being more than just a respectable defense out there. It, it kind of, it didn't, I think he's in Atlanta, like you said, on that staff, and they're also one of the worst defenses. It's not a great look for him in, in general, you know? So, um, man, that's just, that's adding more salt to the, salt to the wound right there. Talon, is there a, do you have a Bob Sutton story you, you don't like? or um, Does anybody like Bob <laughs> Sutton? <laughs> My goodness. I didn't even think about that for a second, but that is a very good point. Do you think yeah, the Chiefs I, have – do you think the Chiefs have uh, any type of advantage with that, just knowing that he's on that staff? Do you think Reed, you know, maybe kind of is knowing what Bob Sutton's going to try to do? I know he's not the defensive coordinator coordinator or anything, but, you know, he definitely has a say on what they're trying to do out there. Yeah, luckily for Sutton, he's got Raheem Morris to kind of filter out whatever nonsense he might spew out, and, like, Raheem can find the two things that Bob can bring to the table. Um but no, I, I do think there might be a little I, – I, it's funny you brought that up because I was thinking about that too, Mitch. Um, you know, Reed and, and, and got, those guys, they know the tendencies of Bob Sutton, like how he likes to coach and what he's coached. And it's not – you know, he coached, he's coached for so long. It's not like he's changed in the last two seasons. Um, so, yeah, there might be a little bit of one, but I think Raheem Morris, uh, that's going to change a little bit. It's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. But, once again, he struggled for the most part. So. I think the Chiefs will be fine. It's it's going to be a fun discussion in the broadcast. I'm assuming someone's going to bring it up, and we'll see what happens from there on. So, guys, let's fast forward. Chiefs take care of business. Week 17, you got the Chargers. How, you know, the, the game doesn't matter realistically. Do you even send Mahomes out there at all? You just officially sit everybody. Chad Honey's the starting quarterback for week 17. Um whoever's available to play plays. I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment, right, Mitch? I mean, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs got to get this win against the Falcons first before they can really think about that. But, I mean, yeah, if, if we do beat the Falcons, I think the Chiefs shouldn't risk playing anybody that is going to get a significant amount of playing time uh, in the playoffs just because of the risk. I mean, we, see, we saw what happened to CEH. So, if you can save players from getting hurt, you know, this kind of – putting some of our backup guys out there, get them maybe more prepared for the playoffs. That'd be great. Um, but, you know, definitely not Mahomes, not Kelsey, not Hill. Our, our top players, especially on, on the defensive side too, with Frank Clark and Tyron and Chris Jones, just everybody who's going to get a significant amount of playing time or that has a significant role on this team. Man, you're going to hate me, but uh, the coach of me just can't look that far ahead. I just I can't. Knew it. I don't yeah. even know who the Chargers are right now. <laughs> like who? I don't know who they are. It's all about Atlanta, man. It's all about Atlanta. You got to win that game. If that game is won, then we can talk about the next one. But now I'm all in Atlanta right now. There's not even a week 17 in my head. 
You know what? I can't help but uh, I have to throw these questions in there because I, I feel like talent, it, it, it's, it eats at you. So I got to throw them out there, man. Okay. <laughs> One of these days, you're just going to go off on me. Be like, you know what? <laughs> hey, you know, I, this is the job, man. I got to throw out the questions that are sometimes clickbait. It is what it is. Um, okay. Final thoughts, guys. Uh, before we wrap this week up, um, what is the biggest thing the Chiefs have to put out there? It, it doesn't have to be. It could be an offensive, defensive, X factor. Who is the biggest X factor in this this week's game? Uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Um, this is kind of a tough game. I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell is definitely a, could be an X factor in this game just because, hey, this is going to be the first time we see him really be running back to number one. So just seeing him go out there and seeing what he looks like, um, you know, without being the backup to CEH, hey, maybe we see him be, uh, we see flashes of him, of what he looked like in Pittsburgh, just with him being the number one guy and not being in, in New York with the Jets, who are just a dumpster fire, as you know, eh? Um, oh, yeah. I think, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think this, uh, he has a definitely a good chance to really show what he's made of and if he should, you know, continue to be in the NFL and if he's uh, capable of being a number one running back in the NFL because I know he's looking to get paid this offseason. So I think this would be a, a good opportunity for him, especially against a, a bad defense against Atlanta. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go on the other side of the ball and go Willie Gay. Uh, I'm still – shocked and confused and wondering why Ben Neiman sees the field at all. But uh, Willie Gay, I think for me, with the injuries to the linebacking core, um, I would love to see him step up and, and just take such a huge step in his progression and, and kind of put that final nail on his rookie season. That's like, all right, like I am going to be someone in this defense. So uh, for me, I'm going to go Willie Gay. You know, we were just talking about him earlier, and I feel like this is such a great test for him to see if he's really – that possible number one guy as we're projecting him to be. Legereus Need, this is such a, a moment for him because whoever he's going to be matched up with, if it's going to be Julio Jones, if it's going to be Calvin Ridley, if this guy can shut them down in any type of way, I think this speaks volumes to what the possibilities are for him. It also says a lot about um, Breland and, um, and Ward in regards to their futures. So I would love to see Snee step up and really be matched up with one of those guys. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun matchup and who knows, like I said, this could be the, uh, the final game that we really care about until the postseason. So it's almost going to feel like two weeks off, but uh, you got to play the game. As Talon said, we're not looking ahead anymore. We're playing this game right here. So that's going to happen. Um, until next week, from Mitch Carney, Talent Graph, I'm Ed Easton Jr. Guys, go Chiefs. Le'Veon, uh, I'm just curious at the end there, a uh, chance to seal the game for the Chiefs. Was that the kind of moment you envisioned when you came here? Yes. Um, you know, I was glad, uh, you know, the coaches and, um, you know, my teammates kind of looked look, um, at me for um, to close the game. And, you know, I was able, glad I was able to go out there and do it. You know, those guys up front did a great job today. Uh, we were challenged with a, a good defensive front. So those guys handled it well. Um, it was a great team effort today. The next is Sam Millinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, uh, Le'Veon, um, 
sort of related. These are very related, actually. You guys had some success in short yardage. It seemed like I don't have the numbers in front of me. It just seemed like you guys were more successful in those situations. Curious what you attribute that to. And also sort of you just mentioned the tough defensive front. What's, what's required when, when you face a unit like that? Um, attitude, you know, um, obviously knowing going into a game like that, those guys can be tough up front. They, they're really stingy um, in the run game. I think the week before they kind of gave up a couple hundred yard runners. So we knew they would come in with the, the motivation to stop the run and not allow that to happen again. And we had to come in with the right mindset, knowing that hey, we got to get the job done wherever we need, you know, whether we got to throw it, whether we got to run it. Um, today, um, really in the second half, we was called upon to run the ball a lot. Um, I think the guys up front did a tremendous job of moving guys off the ball and creating lanes for um, me, 25 and 31, to get, in, get in some lanes and, and make some plays. We're going to take four more going right down the line, starting with Mick. Go ahead, Mick. Hey, Le'Veon, I'm just wondering uh, on the touchdown play, when when was the last time you took an option pitch for a touchdown? And it seems <laughs> like that uh, Patrick's one of the guys that you got to still pay attention to even once you get beyond the line of scrimmage on that right. one. Pitch. Right, yeah, that play was really a fun play. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a play like that. Um, I, I've, I know in the NFL I've never had um, probably an easier touchdown. Um, I, I seen uh, when Pat kind of split the defense in, um, I, I knew the defense was kind of draw to him and also knowing – Pat that he'll pitch that ball wherever down the field, you know. Um, so I just kept running with him. Um, you know, when he got a little bit of attention on me, just kind of pitched it. Uh, you know, and I just walked it in really. Um, guys outside did a great job blocking. Everybody did their job. It was a successful play. Next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey Le'Veon, I have two questions for you. Number one is just what impresses you most now playing with Patrick Mahomes for almost two months now? And then secondly, um, just how did you experience Clyde's injury and just how difficult is it for you to watch given you've kind of been a mentor for him since you've come to the team? Um, well, I think after the first, you know, how many games I've been playing here, um, I think uh, Patrick is more impressive than I could imagine. I mean, you can watch him and, uh, you know, get your get your idea off of him, just watching him and playing. But I think me being in the huddle with him and seeing how he goes about his job and his work, how detailed he is, um, the throws he made, you know, he's even more impressive in person and playing with him and being his teammate. So uh, I'm fortunate uh, to be be his teammate and be here. Um, and then, yeah, when I seen the, the injury with Clyde, um, obviously, you know, I was praying for the best. It was an ugly way to get tackled. Um, I, I originally thought it was his ankle at first. Um, I'm not sure what it was, but, I, you know, he said his ankle felt good. Um, so obviously we're going to see what happens. You know, I, I can't really uh, speak too much on his injury. I just think, uh, you know, Obviously, you're going to try working back and um, see what happens. We'll, we'll go last to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Le'Veon, along those same lines with, with Clyde, did you say anything to him or what kind of words of encouragement did you share with him? And then um, obviously there's going to be some more evaluation here, but if he is out, how, how comfortable are you now to pick up more if you're called upon in a featured role? Yeah, after the game, I came to talk to him. Um, you know, he's in good spirits. Uh you know, he's going to uh, go get his MRI or x-rays or whatever, he, whatever testing he needs to get done. And he'll have more information on that tomorrow or whenever that is. Uh, but I just kind of told him, you know, um, good game. You know, I'm glad you got the opportunity to play back at home. You know, he was happy. He's still excited and good spirit. So uh, I think, you know, him getting work back in and seeing where he goes from his injury.
for everyone at Chiefs Wire. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.